give it up for the our worship team tonight. Amen. Uh, Jesse is still recovering from her surgery. Sandra and Chris went on a trip, and on that trip, Chris got vertigo, and he's having a hard time getting over that, so we're just going to believe that God is touching him, and, and Sandra's got some issues with her back that she needs a touch. And uh, I'm pleased to report that Mike and Laney made it to Albania safe and sound, and so they're getting settled in. Appreciate your continual prayers there. I want you to take your Bibles with me and go to Ezekiel, Ezekiel 37. Once again, thank you so much for uh, the love and, and the serve, serving the family today. And it was just, it means a lot. And uh, uh, the, the family really, really appreciated. Uh, let's look at Ezekiel. It's a familiar passage if you attend church here. But I, I want to look at it in a little bit different light tonight. I was studying for the, for the funeral for a day or so and just got to looking at the resurrection. You know, I, I believe in the philosophy, you cook once and you eat twice, amen? I talked about the resurrection at the funeral today, but I want to I I expound upon that and just, and just go down a trail. I want you to follow me, if you will. Father, we love you and thank you, Lord God. Let the anointing rest mightily upon your word. Lord, anoint our ears to hear and our, my, my voice to speak tonight. God, I love you, and Lord, I'm, I'm leaning on you tonight for, a, for inspiration and anointing. We don't want just a service and a sermon, God. We want to see you. We want to feel you. We want to know you, Lord God. Holy Spirit, come. 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 Thank you, Lord. I love you. The hand of the Lord came upon me, Ezekiel 37. And he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord, and he set me down in the midst of the valley. Was full of bones. And he caused me to pass by them all around. Behold, there were very many in the open valley, and indeed they were very dry. He said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, O Lord God, you know. Again he said to me, Prophesy to these bones, and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones. Surely I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. I will put sinew on you and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a noise, suddenly a rattling. Bones came together, bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, the sinew and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them over. But... There was no breath in them. Verse 9. Also he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as I was commanded me. And breath came into them, and they lived and stood upon their feet in an exceeding great army. Then the Lord said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They indeed say, our bones are dry, our hope is lost, and we ourselves are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up from your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. Then you shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves. O my people, and brought you up from your graves, I will put my spirit in you, you shall live, and I will place you in your own land, 
Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it, performed it, says the Lord. Now, as you look at this passage in history, we draw a lot of insight and encouragement from this passage. It is a passage directed, a prophecy to Israel in the midst of one of their darkest hours. It's right in the midst of the Babylonian captivity. And they're there, and they've lost their national identity, if you will. They've lost their place of worship. They have been separated from their land and brought into a land that was foreign to them. And they look around in, in complete despair. And many, many of heart began to break to the point that they felt like they were completely hopeless and in despair. And in the process of that, God brings Ezekiel, a man, to bring words of encouragement to Israel in that hour, to strengthen them in their hour of need. But I think about Israel as they're there, and we many times look at the Word of God, and we place ourselves in there vicariously. We look at, look at their situation compared to our situation. But I think about the fact that the covenant people there are in in this place of Babylonian captivity, and they're, they're feeling like they're just, they're dead, they're dried up, and there's no hope of tomorrow. And I just begin to think about how that, you know, what events had to take place in order for Christ to come into existence. Because we are indebted to the nation of Israel because they were the covenant people that carried forth to us, the, the, the nation of people in which the Messiah would come out of. And, and their, their history was weaved with so much difficulty. And we so often in the Western world want to liken ourselves, and, we, and rightly so, as the spiritual seed of Abraham. Yes, we want to identify as Israel, but we don't replace Israel. We're not, we're not in the replacement theology and there's many that want to replace Israel with the, with the Western church and, and, and say we're, we're, we're separate and we're all these other things. But, but what I have noticed is they, they don't necessarily identify with the blessings, but they don't want to identify with the judgments that come along with, with turning away from a covenant God. And if God judged Sodom and Gomorrah and he doesn't judge America, then he's got to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. But you look here in this passage, what I want to see is something maybe broader, a broader sense of, 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 of what God is, is, is wanting to show us. And that is a, a portrait here of the resurrection. Because what you see in this is you see a, a valley filled with dry bones. You see a vision of images of dead laying in out on the ground, scattered all about. And there's a vision that, or a question that comes to the prophet. Can the bones live? Lord, only you have the answer to that. I don't. But I know the prophet, as he believes what he's, or, he's ordered by God, commanded by God to begin to prophesy, Begin to speak. I want you to notice what he, what he says here and, and see if you pick up on the, on, the, on the word that just keeps coming forth after you ask him the question. Thus says the Lord, he said, I want you to prophesy to these bones. And what are you going to say to them? 
You're going to say to them, the bones, surely I will cause breath to enter into you. Notice in the next verse, I will put breath in you. Verse 5, breath in verse 6. Notice there, I will put sin you and bring flesh, but then I will put my breath in you. Again, he speaks of breath. And after he speaks, there is something begins to happen. There is something that begins to happen when the Word of God is proclaimed, when the Word of God is professed, when we begin to speak not by what we see but by what we believe. And we begin to profess the Word of God. Things begin to happen. And now there's a moving, a rattling. The bones that were dry, decimated, separated, they were completely starting to decay. The skin was no longer on them. They were covered with dirt, long since past. Any, any hope of any, any kind of change, all of a sudden change begins to happen at the word of God, at the voice of God. As God begins to speak and he commands the church to speak to the dead, begin to prophesy to them, begin to say to them that God is going to put his breath in you, that there's a breath and a wind of God that's going to blow and he's going to come into you and bring life. And in so doing, they come together. Still, there's no breath. Also, he said, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath. Thus says the Lord, come from the four winds, the four corners, the four areas. Does that not speak to us of omnipresence? It's the every, every direction of the earth, in a sense. So this breath is not just a breath. This breath represents the Spirit of God. O breathe and breath the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So he did what he was commanded, and he prophesied. And what he prophesied, breath came into them, and they lived, and stood upon their feet an exceeding great army. Notice what the Lord says in verse 12, I will open your graves and cause you to come up out of your graves. Now go with me just for a little bit. We're just going to journey through some, some scriptures here. But first I want to show you that that word breath, it is ruach. It means breath, wind, or spirit. Breath, wind, or spirit. Now if you look over to Genesis 2 and 7, you're going to see another breathing that takes place. There, here is man freshly formed out of the dust of the earth. Man freshly formed out of the dust of the earth. And when he was formed out of the dust of the earth, now he is not moving. He's inanimate. He's just there. He's just a form. He's, he does not, he's not animating life because life is not in him. He's not moving because now he's created and formed by God. Understand. God spoke and the entire worlds came into, his, in, into existence. But God came down and he formed man out of the dust of the earth. There's nothing going on now. He's still laying there as a dead object until the Lord formed man of the dust of the ground and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And, a, and man became a living soul. Now, I wanted to see, is this word breath, ruach, the same breath that was used in Genesis 2 and 7? It is not. This is nafa, is the breathe. Nafa is breathe. It means to blow. 
It means to blow, in other words, God got down and he blew into the nostrils of Adam. And what he blew into the nostrils of Adam, his nostrils, the breath of life, that word breath there is nishama, nishama, breathe. Now, what is the difference between ruach, which is breath, wind, and spirit, and this word nishama? Ruach, like wind, comes from without, right? Now, nishama, like breath, comes from within. So, in other words, when God breathed into the nostrils of Adam, he gave him the ability to take that breath inside of himself. And now his lungs begin to excel because his heart was beating. There's, there's synopsis in it, uh, the, uh, the syntax, the nerves in his brain began to, begin to fire off. And he woke up because he came alive. Because life was breathed into him. Now he became a living being. <laughs> now, jump to, with me to John 20 and 22. Are you with me? I know we're just kind of building. We're kind of building a little bit of a platform here. Now, when we had said this, now notice, whenever God created Adam in the garden, he was lifeless until the breath. Once he received the breath, he became alive. We see that there is in Ezekiel a vision of a valley of dry bones. They were laying out there, they came together, they were formed in a sense, but now they still lay lifeless until the breath enters into them. Now they come alive. Now they have the ability to breathe in and breathe out. Now they have the ability to open their eyes. Their, their hearts are beating. Their mind is working. And they get up. And the Bible says an exceeding and great army that get up after the breath the wind the spirit enters into them amen john 20 and 22 when he had said this jesus after his resurrection when he had his disciples together he breathed on them and said to them receive the holy spirit and at that moment they were born again by the Spirit. And the word in the Greek there that is used, info shoah, to breathe into or upon. A breath that comes in and a breath that comes out. God can breathe on you, He can breathe in you. Mm. <laughs> so when you speak out the Word of God, you can, the Spirit of the Lord can go through you as he has entered into you. What did that breath bring? That breath of God brought to Adam in the garden resurrection. That breath in the valley of dry bones brought resurrection. When the Lord breathed upon his disciples, he imparted to him the same spirit that raised him from the dead was now imparted to them so that now the resurrected spirit would be inside of the church. 
Romans 8 and 11. But if the Spirit, see, because death came by one man, also 1 Corinthians 15 and 21. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. How did the resurrection of the dead come forth? Jesus rose from the dead because he could not be held to the grave. As I spoke to them today in the family that was over there, as we talked about the resurrection, if Jesus Christ did not rise again, then brother and sister, we are still in our sin. According to the word of God, the the resurrection of Christ was the guarantee that the payment was accepted for our sins. Look at 1 Corinthians 15, study that at length, and you will discover that whenever Jesus Christ, because there was a conflict that was taking place in the church at Corinth, so Paul addressed it, and he said to them, some have told you basically that there is no resurrection. If there is no resurrection, then we have no hope in this life. We are of all men most miserable. There is nothing to look forward to. There is nothing to get excited about. You can live like you want to live. And when you die, you cease to exist. You're just dead. But the Lord would say contrary to that. And what he would tell you is that no, that's not the truth because he ascended to the father and we know he ascended because he sent forth his spirit when he when he went away 40 days after his resurrection he said to them wait in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high and when that power came it came in the form of the wind as the wind began to blow so God not only breathes into us he also breathes out of us and he breathes into us it sounds something like life and he breathes out of us and he breathes into us and then he breathes out of us My man, capital M, also came the resurrection of the dead. And this is where it starts to get real exciting. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. When we come to the place where we open the door that God's knocking on our heart, He stands at the door and knocks. How does He knock? If you hear His voice, he knocks by his word. If you hear his voice, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe would have everlasting life. That's the knocking at the heart's door. When people come into the, 
into the presence of the church and the church begins to proclaim the good news of the of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and he you begin to proclaim how that God is the same yesterday today and forever and that we are abandoned without hope without the resurrection of Christ and 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 without his sacrifice there's no one that can ever make it into eternity because Jesus said I am the way I'm the only way I'm the only truth I'm the only life there's no way you get to the father but you got to go through me and I'm glad to take you to the father it's not that the Lord Jesus wants to keep people from the father oh my God he wants to get people to the father that's the whole purpose of him coming and living and dying he doesn't take joy over people going to hell he wants them to go to heaven so he assures this thing because he has greater confidence in himself than he could ever have in us. Amen? I'm going to give you something. I'm going to impart something to you. I'm going to breathe in you, and you're going to come from the dead to life. You're going to come alive because there is something supernatural that takes place. When you reach over by your will, God gives you the face, but faith, but you've got to initiate your will. To every man's been given the measure of faith that was given to you from heaven. That's not your own. It was imparted to you. You have faith enough to find God, but you have to have the will to initiate that faith and reach over and turn the handle of your heart and say, God, come in and sup with me. Lord, I want to know you because Jesus said, this is eternal life, that you would know the Father and the one who he has sent. Amen. I want to enter into relationship with you. What is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? Ephesians 1, 19 and 20. According to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ... When he did what? When he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places. Now you skip over to Ephesians 3 and 20 and 21. Now to him who is able. I, won't, I don't want to go to a God that's not able, do you? Amen. I don't want to serve a God that's limited by limitations. <laughs> he that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or think. Let's just stop right there. How, how arrogant have I been thinking that I had some power over thinking? Amen? Like I could really think to some magnitude that God wanted to do something great. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's like, oh, good job, son. Come on up here. <laughs> Here's your thimble of blessing that you asked for. But this reservoir that you cannot see the end of, that's where I'm taking you. That's where I want you to be. But you can have your drink and your imagination. But if you just step over over into my imagination, I've got something far beyond anything that you could ask or think because you're asking according to your senses. And I want you to ask according to what my spirit shows you. Now to him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think, according 
to the power that works in us. Wait a minute, we, we define that power in verse in chapter one. His mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. So what power is working inside of us? That resurrection power. That resurrection power. I, I don't know that I'm just I just started scratching the surface of this resurrection. Preached a, a, a funeral message today about resurrection and just got my mind just got to rolling in the last few days about the power of the resurrected spirit living on the inside of us. The resurrection spirit living on the inside of us and the power that he's working is e eternal. It's not just an internal, it is an eternal power that is never lost any sense or semblance of the authority of the power of God. And I said, Lord, I want this resurrection power to be released in the body of Christ. I, I want the gates of heaven to open in our hearts and the resurrection power to be released in our life. My God, if we could get to the place where we put more confidence in the Spirit of the Lord in us than what trying to build up some minuscule measure of some sort of performance oriented tasking that we could get to the place like now have I done enough? Now have I done enough? And the Lord just shaking his head oh God son if you just look up the payment's already paid and the Spirit is already in you. I just need you to walk in it and talk in it and breathe in it. I just need you to breathe in and breathe out. I just need you to breathe in and breathe out. And so that you can go out now and speak the word to those who are dead in their sins. To remit sins. In other words, tell them that they are sinners so that now they can understand the payment that has been paid. How do we do that? We do that by the power that's already at work. It's already there, working on the inside of us. Mary and Martha went out. Jesus, my brother Lazarus is dead. No, he's, he's, he's going to rise again. Yeah, way off out and never, never into the time portion of creation, way off out there, he's going to get up. Jesus said, I am the resurrection. <laughs> I am the resurrection. <laughs> and the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of the heart of the church. Amen? It's got a right now in a future tense. It's a, a tension that we walk in. But you know, there's a spirit in the land today. And that spirit is, it has a form of godliness, but it doesn't, it denies the power. What's the power? The resurrection power. See, Timothy tells us, or Paul tells Timothy here, his last letter, he said, 
But you know this, that in the last days, perilous times. Now, the disciples thought that they were going to be living in the... I've heard some say that, that they thought they were living in the last days. So, they were thinking about their times being perilous. Now we fast forward to our day, we think about the perilous times. Will come. The word perilous means it's, it's irksome. It's hard to bear. It's hard to look at. Many times it's just hard to swallow. It's just hard to take in in your natural senses. For men will be lovers of themselves. Lovers of money. Wonder why they don't give. Boasters. Proud. Blasphemers. Disobedient to parents, unthankful and unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. From such people turn away. That word power is dunamis. Her dunamis is miraculous power, might, and strength. Physical power, force, might, ability, effectiveness, energy. It is power. It is the same word that the Lord said for us to wait on in, in Jerusalem until we be endued. In fact, uh, that word in Acts 1.8, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the othermost parts of the world. See, that same, what is the, the, the last day apostate uh, or, or world that we're living in? What are they going to be denying? They're going to be denying the dunamis, the power of the gospel and the spirit of God. Talking to the church, the apostate church that is there in existence in the last day. If you don't believe that they're real, I'll tell you it is evident today as every form of doctrine begins to come in and the word of God is being changed. And if you start changing the immutable word of God, if you start changing the unchangeable word of God, then it stops changing you. You start diluting the very thing that should be causing the transformation because God didn't come to make us a better form of sinner and just a better citizen in society. He's come to transform by the resurrection power that is operation inside of the church. It should be an operation in our lives. There is an antichrist spirit that denies the anointing of God because he denies that Jesus was the Christ, the anointed one. There is an antichrist spirit that denies the relationship between between the Father and the Son. He does not recognize the Trinity. He does not recognize that relationship. And thus he wants to keep you and the, all of your offspring from that relationship and try to convince you in every way possible that the sacrifice of Christ was not enough, that Jesus didn't come in the flesh. John's address in 1 John in his book, it is a, a rebuttal. It is a, a, a refuting in an argument against the Antichrist. And that spirit is rampant in the land. 
And it's denying the power, the dudamous witnessing power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because if there will not be a resurrection, we have no hope. But folks, we know that there is a resurrection. Because Jesus Christ sent the confirmation. He sent the earnest payment. He has sent the seal of his seatedness in authority at the Father's right hand because he sent forth his spirit. The spirit's operation, I love what Murray, Andrew Murray says. He gives a description of the divine work of the of the Spirit, but also first he starts by defining the persons of the Trinity. So the Father is the unseen God, the Author of all. The Son is the form of God revealed, made manifest, and brought near to us. The Spirit of God is the power of God, dwelling in His people. And working in them what the Father and the Son desires. Not only in the individual, but in the church as a whole. What the Father has purposed and the Son has procured can be appropriated and made effectual in the body of Christ only through the continual intervention and action and operation of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Here's the thing that we have to acknowledge and realize. There is no life without the Spirit. There is no power without the Spirit. I have pleaded with God for years. Not days, not weeks, not, not a decade, not two decades, three decades. God, you've got to, you've got to pour through us. It's not by might, not by power. It's got to be by the Spirit. We've got to be Spirit-led if we're really going to be called children of God. They that are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. But without the proclamation of the gospel, the bones will stay where they're at. They're not going to move. And they're not going to move until we start catching God's vision. See, vision is not taught, it is caught. If you want to know what the vision of the church is and the direction we're going, you got to show up. And if you want to hear the vision replayed by the Spirit over and over and over and over and over again, it's helpful to be here on Saturday morning at 8.30. You know, when you come together in prayer, it is no different than when the king or queen of England, when they vote in a new prime minister. That prime minister will come to them and the prime minister will declare 
I will establish a government in your name. See, the same thing happens when you and I come together corporately. We are taking a position as the ecclesia, the governing body on earth called the church. The ecclesia was not a new term that the Lord coined. It was an actual occurrence that took place. Ecclesia, the church, was something that was common understanding. It was the governing body of a particular city or a particular region. But the church began to be called the church, the Christian, the new believers, those that were in the way, started to be called, called the church, and Jesus called us the church. What he was giving to us is imagery that we would understand, that when the gates of hell will not prevail against my governing body when they understand the message of the gospel which is not just the death it's not just the burial but it is the resurrection <laughs> let's don't leave Jesus on the cross as some of the of the, the the Christians do and let's don't leave him in the grave and live a powerless life no my God we need to put him where he belongs that's at the right hand of the father and sitting upon the throne of our heart. And now he is living inside of us. Now we are walking in this resurrected power. See, but the ecclesia, when they come together, what are they doing when they come together? If they, they don't always acknowledge it, but when they come together, just like we're together tonight, what did we do? We formed a government in his name, and now we're taking care of kingdom business. And when we come together in prayer, the reason why, the gates of hell, the very strength of hell will not prevail. It's because the church knows the resurrection power that's working and operating on the inside of them. That when they speak, things begin to happen because they have the vision God has for the world. And that vision is, is none shall, the will of God is that none should perish. And then we get to the place where we begin to understand that yes, God, these bones will live because you have spoken it and you will bring it to pass. Is this helping anybody? Anybody in here open the door of your heart when you did by your will through faith? You open the door of eternity. You pulled it open. Now we should be living in the open room with God. See, because when the veil was torn, God didn't put it back. It was torn. But see, God's not going to force himself into you. Just like he's not going to force himself through you. But if I stop long enough to just think about, wait a minute, something going on, something's happening, there is a resident inside this house. He's not a weekender. He didn't sign a lease. He, uh, he bought this house paid in full. 
No, you're not. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. No, you're not. You've been, you've been bought with a price, and that price was his blood. And now he takes up residence, and now I live in him, and he lives in me. Now that resurrection is operating. Oh, good. I thought it was 9 o'clock. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Folks, I believe God is revealing himself to the church in such profound ways. I apologize to those who've been attacked of late. Those that could be here in the hospital one thing after another. That's just a nasty, sorry, no good. Blood-sucking, bread-eating dog. Just an attack. But you know, we can't shrink back. We can't shrink back. There's too much at stake. There's too much at stake. There's, there's generation that need to hear the message. We can't deliver that message until we open our hearts and let the Spirit I'm not telling you not to. I'm just telling you just lean into the Spirit of God. Let Him step through you into that situation. Let's quit tackling it with our will and just say, Lord, I'm going to attach my will to your will and we're going to see what's, what will be done. <laughs> so, Ray, there's resurrection power inside of you. Dolores, there's resurrection power. Cindy, Robert, Theta. There's resurrection power operating in us. Father, we just thank you, Lord, tonight. We thank you, Lord, for the power that's working. Lord, we just thank you tonight. This is this is the beautiful purpose of that power. To Him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. To this lost generation, to Him be the glory. Oh God, would you would you just step through us? Would you start knocking on doors? Oh, church. If the knock is the word, somebody's got to take the word and start knocking. And start knocking. So you can have resurrection life inside of you. The Holy Spirit wants to breathe inside of you. 
and bring you to life. And now you can start breathing out and you now can have that same spirit of resurrection inside of you. To know that one day, one day, yes, you can, you can leave your body today. We put a woman, committed her to the earth today who died three days ago. To be absent with the bodies, to be present with the Lord. Who she is is in heaven right now. But there will come a day where her body will resurrect. And she, in a twinkling of an eye, it'll be that, that fast. She'll have that glorified body. God, I'm praying, Lord, tonight. Just stand with me if you're able. I think you can kind of feel with this, this, this altar, this call, this, where this is going right now. We have an opportunity, church. As the body of Christ. You know, I used to be a, I wasn't a farmer, I was a picker. I was a field hand. I picked everything under the sun. I picked watermelons. I picked grapes. I picked cantaloupes, peaches, and apples, and oranges. And I picked eggplant and peas. And I kind of enjoyed it. Being in a peach orchard, and you'd, you'd go by that tree, and that fruit would be ripe pick it and throw it in your basket come by that same tree and that peach that was green man it's ripe today but you know years after when I stopped being a picker I drive by orchards that were unpicked I was like oh my lord what a waste I'm looking at a generation that is ripe for the picking. And I'm saying, God, where's the laborers? We don't have a harvest issue, folks. We have a labor issue. We're too busy trying to find ourselves. Oh, God, we just got to find him, and then we will have ourselves all figured out. I'm not willing to watch your children go to hell. I'm not willing to watch a generation fall off into hell. Oh, God, we pray tonight, Lord. Lord, we're asking. We're asking, Lord God, for the privilege of the burden that you have. We don't, we're not going to take it, Lord God, as a drudgery. We want the privilege of a burden to be graced upon us. Because, Lord, if there's not a desire, there's not going to be any fortitude. If there's not any commitment, Lord God, it is a useless endeavor. 
But Lord, I believe that there is a powerful resurrection spirit operating in the church. And Lord, I am asking, Lord God, that you would cause the scales to fall from our eyes. That we would have your vision for the lost. And then, Lord God, we would catch your vision for the lost. And then, Lord, we would begin to proclaim by knocking on the doors with the word of God to each and every one you lead us to. That the breath of God, the resurrection of God may enter into them. That they may come out of their graves. And they may resurrect in their situation. And they may come into a land of promise and purpose. And, Lord God, your desire. Father, we thank you. We praise you. Lord, I pray that you will kindle a blazing infernal inside of a heart. God, if it needs to start as an ember, Lord God, go ahead and let it start. But Holy Spirit, I pray that you will blow by the wind. You will blow by the wind of God. You will begin to blow by the wind of God. Let there be a rushing mighty wind begin to blow into the house of God. Just like you breathe into Adam, Lord God, you can breathe into this generation and you can cause them to have the power for themselves to breathe out. Lord, we thank you tonight, God. Let your spirit, Lord God, let it be ever so evident, Lord, in our hearts and lives. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Tonight we're going to focus on a, a local ministry. One you might be familiar with, Bibles and Burgers. They're not here tonight, so we're just going to surprise them with it. The offering it's in entirety is going to go tonight. It's going to go to uh, Bibles and Burgers. These guys are doing a great job. They're out there. They started once a month, and now they're, they're, they're thinking about doing twice a month. And So they're reaching out and, and uh, preaching the gospel on the street and ministering to those so let's bless them they have been self-funded and, and God's been good to them but let's just pray tonight that the souls in Greenville Texas may come many of you are involved in this ministry and, and thank you for being involved but let's pray for them tonight father we just thank you Lord God for Tim and Yvonne Lord God the team that they have brought together and Lord the ministry that they are doing Lord God and Lord you're they're, they're, they're out there knocking on hearts Lord and Lord, they're, they're knocking by the word of God. And Lord, I just want to thank you, God. I want to thank you, Father God, for the ministry that you put upon them. And Lord, for their passion and purpose. Lord, I pray that you will protect them, keep them, Lord God, and bless them immensely in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. God bless you. Uh, we'll see you at 8.30 Saturday morning. Those that are able to be out with us, uh, come in the side door over here. We usually pray alone for about 15 minutes, and then we come together and pray however the Lord leads us. But if you're able to be here at that time, that's great. If not, we'll see you on Sunday. Uh, God bless. Have a great rest of the week.